0: Welcome to the AR-15 Podcast. AR-15
1: Podcast. This
0: is the podcast about your favorite black rifle. This show is for you. If you're building your first AR or you've been building ARs for years, there is something we can all do to take our black rifle to
2: the next level. On this episode of Loose Rounds, we kind of combine the best of both worlds. The AR-15 Podcast and some of our friends for the firearms industry, we are going to look at the year and review And uh, things are going to get a little bit crazy. Things are going to get a little bit loose. And um, some of us may or may not be medicated. So uh, just hang on. We may go off the rails a little bit. But we want to thank you for listening in 2018. Uh, It's been a phenomenal year for the podcast. And Reed and I are excited uh, for 2019. Uh, Joining us, uh, some sponsors, we've got some good old friends. And we've got a guy who's got a pasta fetish. So, uh, first up, Uh, Extend Labs, we've got Derek and Matt joining us. Um, Guys, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves and your product and uh, sponsoring the podcast uh, in
0: 2019? Sure. Uh, We're a chemical R&D company based in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, We're actually owned by an industrial chemical company. And what we do is develop technology um, for sporting and outdoor applications and spin those out into some innovative consumer products. So um, we've been up and running about a year and uh, we're really excited to be sponsoring the podcast. I love the show and uh, look forward to interacting with your audience and getting to know you guys.
2: And so we've, uh, we've been planning on doing some uh, giveaways in 2019, right? Oh, yeah. So we're, we're going to get those. Yeah, lots of giveaways we're going to take care of. Um, my um, experience with the product is uh, I took it and I put it on my son's m 22, and that thing is a dirt devil. Um, it has become a single shot wonder after about a magazine out at the range. I soaked it, um, with the lubrication. I have it right over here. What was it? It was echo, uh, that I put on it. I soaked it and the thing ran flawlessly for the rest of the range trip. And, uh, I imagine when we go back out, I'm curious to see if it keeps running because nothing else I've been able to put on it has, uh, been able to turn that into anything but a single (laughs) shot wonder. So, uh, we appreciate you guys coming on the show. Um, we're going to have some fun uh, talking about some of the topics over the last 12 months. So uh, first, we're going to jump in. And uh, Matt, tell us a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself to the, the podcast crew, and then uh, Derek, will go with you.
0: Okay. I'm Matt Browning. Uh, I'm director of Extant Labs, and uh, I do chemistry R&D. So uh, both industrial side and uh, consumer products side with the weapons, lubricants, um, gun cleaners. Um, I've been doing R&D for about six years now. I've been in the chemical business for about 10 years Um live in Charlotte got a wife and two wonderful children and I'm currently sitting in my office with a cold beverage Derek
3: so yeah for 15 years I've been working uh, at one of the big gun shops on the East Coast Hyatt gun shop <clears throat> so I get to play with all the new toys when they come out and uh, uh, I'm excited to be on this podcast it's uh, it's been a fun to listen to and I it's going to be fun to talk on I think especially looking back on this year this year's a lot of A lot of interesting stuff in the news for guns.
2: There's a lot of stuff that's going to go back and forth, and I'm interested to have the take of the the panel that we've assembled. Uh, Also joining us from, um, I don't know, is he famous? I think he's famous. I think Tony's famous. Um, He's famous. He's better now than Tony, Tony, Tony. Like, they can't even get five people to go to their reunion concert. So, uh, Tony Simon, uh, tell us a little bit about what you do all over the firearms industry. All right. My name is Tony Simon. I run a Second Amendment
4: workshop in the state of New Jersey that welcomes people from all races, backgrounds, religions to the range and introduce them to firearms, firearms owners, Second Amendment advocacy groups. And the name of it is the Second is for Everyone podcast. I also have the second, excuse me, Second is for Everyone diversity shoot. I also run the Second is for Everyone podcast and I have a shooting competition called the Men and Man Challenge that we also came up with um and i'm on the german pasta fetish podcast i'm also on uh (laughs) (laughs) self-defense gun stories podcast so yeah i have a little bit going on um i'm also a second amendment advocate and i've testified in front of the court senate and assembly in new jersey and i make speeches and stuff so yeah i'm a big gun guy and i'm a big guy i'm also the largest pound-for-pound firearms instructor in america (laughs)
2: <laughs> one, of, one of our sponsors for the last several months has been Ammo.com, uh, where you can uh, support the podcast, save money on getting your ammo purchase. It's Ammo.com. And uh, Alex is joining us from Ammo.com tonight to give us a different voice uh, as we mash up the AR-15 podcast and loose rounds. Alex, uh, introduce yourself.
5: Hey, JD. So I'm Alex Horseman. I am the marketing manager over here at Ammo.com. Um, We are obviously an online ammunition retailer. We differ from a lot of these websites out there because we donate 1% of every sale to a pro-freedom organization that's at no extra cost to the customer, that's to us. And so we're just pretty big freedom fighters, love the podcast, I'm happy to be sponsoring it and showing up. Awesome. And uh, last,
2: well, not last, but man least, the uh, director of... Shenanigans over at the German Fos- Pasta Fetish podcast, the Gun and Gear Review, um, Firearms Insider Inside edition, where you are not the father, Chad Wallace.
1: <laughs> Why? <laughs> you know, that's one of the best introductions I've had, but it's the Gun and Gear Review podcast. Contrary to JD's thoughts, it's not the German Pasta Fetish podcast, but we have Tony on there. So it does make us the largest pound-for-pound podcast. (laughs) Uh, But we're over there. Uh, We do reviews. We talk about new products pretty much every week on the podcast. Uh, If we have a review that we've done, we also talk about it on the podcast. Otherwise, it's just written with pictures and stuff on the Firearms Insider. And that's pretty much it. I will be hanging out with JD and Reed at the... SHOT Show. Uh, JD was kind enough to let me stay at his place again. I don't know why, I guess. It's because I told him he had to. Oh, Reed's a a nice guy then. (laughs) Well, thanks, Reed.
2: I always thought your favorite introduction was Inmate7762. Stan. I don't know.
4: (laughs)
1: The
3: reason
4: reason he invited him there is because they get senior parking way closer to the SHOT Show. If you have a senior citizen with you, so they bring chat. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
2: Between that and the handicap cl- placard that he has, he's he's yeah, golden Yeah,
1: I'm I'm, oh. I'm like golden. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. But that's what we're doing over there, and we have normal sh- shenanigans like you know we kind of will here too. So we always go off the rails. Tony hates everything. Oh wait, that's this other guy named Zane, but. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And now the guy that's uh, been a part of the AR fifteen podcast since uh, the inception, uh, Reed Schneider. Introduce yourself, Reed.
6: Well, I guess I'm Mister Inception himself. Where's the Inception music? Is that the way it goes? Yeah, just call me Mister Inception.
2: I thought that was the Purge music. The, the Purge? Sounder. I thought. I don't know. Yeah,
6: Maybe. what is that? They all sound the same. That's the sincerest form of flattery, right? Stealing something from someone else. <laughs> well, I'm I'm recovering from a. Uh, Shoulder surgery, so you have me until my uh, pain meds uh, draw away my attention elsewhere.
2: So some of us may or may not be medicated. Mm. Some of us under court order being medicated, Chad. Um, (laughs) But I'm JD. I've been with the podcast for about three and a half years now. Um, I am, as Reed is the lead host, I'm the nuts and bolts behind the show, putting, uh, trying to put everything together and keep stuff on the rails. So uh, if this is your first time listening to us, thanks for checking us out. If it's not, then uh, you know what kind of shenanigans are about to take place. But with those shenanigans, we like to hook up our listeners with uh, great prizes from uh, our friends in the firearm industry. In the last two months, we have teamed up with Rocky Harrigan over at Unbranded AR and put together a sick AR build. Everything you need from the front to the back of this rifle uh, is taken care of in this giveaway. And coming up here in just a couple seconds, uh, I'm going to be pulling a name of the lucky winner. Now, you have two weeks to contact us here on the show. Uh, you can do it by text if you have our number. You can do it by email. You can uh, send to Pony Express. You can uh, ring up Chad. I'll give up his cell phone number at the end of the show if you really need it, but <laughs> you got to get a hold of us in two weeks because I'm not holding on to these things for a month. If I'm holding on to rifles for a month, um, Reed and I are just going to split them for the rest of the year. But uh, coming up, we're going to give that away right now. The winner of the AR-15 Podcast Unbranded AR Builders Kit Giveaway is Steve with the phone number beginning with the area code 616 If this sounds like you or is remotely you or there's a chance it's you, you want to reach out to us and contact us here at the AR-15 Podcast. You can get a hold of us at AR-15podcast at gmail.com or through the website AR-15podcast.com. Once again, the winner of the Unbranded AR Builders Kit Giveaway is Steve with the phone number beginning in 616-616. If you didn't win this time, make sure you sign up for the Arrow Precision giveaway that we've got going on right now. It is a pretty sick rifle. You can check it out on our Instagram page at AR15 Podcast and also at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash AR15 Podcast. All right. Congratulations. And uh, we look forward to the next giveaway we have with Arrow Precision that is coming out tomorrow. We will be uh, starting that giveaway, teaming up with them. But uh, you make it possible to support the show and do cool giveaways like that through Patreon and PayPal. Uh, 100% of your giving is invested right back into the show for equipment and for production value. And it's all about the podcast for your favorite black rifle. We never take anything home. It's always put back into the show. So we want to say thank you to a couple people, Uh, Jason, Joseph, Steve, and Tom. Man, it sounds like it could be like a Beatles cover band. Uh, the old salty iron sight level. We appreciate you guys, uh, Kevin and Michael, the bolt carrier group level. We appreciate you guys and the other seven that are giving at the sneak it past the spouse level, um, where we don't say your name, and that that could be on. I got that messed up so many times and said some pretty embarrassing things, but uh, the guys that are supporting the about 14, 15 of you, we really appreciate your support in the podcast and making things happen. You help us replace a valuable piece of equipment uh, just this last week. So thanks. You can check out the Patreon sign up for the giveaways and the PayPal stuff at our website, ar-15podcast.com. That's ar-15podcast.com. And with that, Real quick, let's run down the list of what we did in firearms this week. Tony Simon, you're going to start us out. Uh,
4: What did Tony Simon do this week? I think we hosted the social shoot. That's what we did, right? Was that this week? I really don't. Um, Which was invite a bunch of people out to the range, have them bring their guns. We brought our guns. And uh, we set a 200-yard, a gong out of 200 yards, about 14 inches in diameter. And we take turns shooting it. Um, I nailed that sucker with a 19 was 1917 infill. Then I grabbed somebody's new Glock 45, the new nine millimeter. And I was able to tag it with that I was able to tag it with a 1911. I was able to shoot it with a two and a half inch uh, snubby 45 from charter arms. And we just had a lot of fun doing that. I think that was the latest thing I did in firearms. Yep, Chad. Chad Wallace.
1: Yeah. I think the latest thing I did in firearms was finish up a review on the Mantis X uh, the little training uh, sensor that goes on your pistols, rifles, et cetera. Uh, haven't been out shooting in a couple weeks, so I did that instead.
5: Alex. So I'm back home with my family, visiting them for the holidays, and I was able to take the old man who taught me everything about guns out to the range. So just finally got back out there, was able to learn a little bit more from him and have that going on.
0: Nice. Matt. Uh, I shot a USPSA-style pistol match with a Glock 43 subcompact, uh, which was a learning experience, to say the least. <laughs> Derek? Uh, most I guess the most
3: interesting thing is I got my wife her birthday-slash-Christmas present, which was a new Springfield XDS Mod 2 uh, Night Sight, and got her to open that up in front of all of her extended family uh, on Christmas morning, and that was uh, quite an experience. <laughs>
2: Reed Schneider, what did you do in uh, firearms this week? Well, I was a
6: uh, I was a beneficiary of the uh, firearms sport. I got a I got a pistol as a Christmas present. My wife got me a a Browning High Power clone, Hungarian uh, or no, a uh, Turkish uh, Browning. So
2: it's pretty sweet. Too bad your co-host mailed the Sig pistol to the wrong address, huh?
6: Well, it's your FFL, so. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Well, um, I got to go out and um, finally shoot the Benelli and put some rounds through it real quick. Um, gosh, it's everything I ever wanted in a shotgun. So I, I, it's ridiculous, but oh my gosh, it was amazing. Is, so,
6: it, is it enough to get rid of the Sega?
2: Um, I'm going to and uh, do you said some the other words, stuff.
6: You said get. the words. Is it enough to get rid of your Sega?
2: No, it's not. I'm going to SVS it.
6: So it's not everything.
2: Um, I don't have a twenty round drum for the Benelli M4, <laughs> so um, or you know the capacity to do twenty rounds. And there is just something about pulling that trigger and cutting down a tree in the desert. There's small trees uh, that I just can't get rid of that gun. Plus, there's so much money tied up into that stupid conversion of that gun that I'd take a bath on it.
3: M4 is a sweet gun. Kicks like a twenty gauge.
2: So coming up next is our main topic. We're going to do the year in review, and I'm going to invite uh, Alex to talk a little bit about Ammo.com. You can save $20 on your next order of $200 or more when you use the special link for our show. It's Ammo.com slash AR15 podcast. That's Ammo.com slash AR15 podcast. Alex, tell us uh, a little bit about what goes on there at Ammo.com. We know you're uh, an ammo clearinghouse like that. But uh, give us a little bit more behind the scenes of what it is you guys
5: uh, bring to the market. Yeah, so I'd, I'd say our biggest thing is our philosophy, right? So we are out, like I'm going to my first SHOT show on behalf of Ammo.com in January. I've been to GRPCs. Um, and so our big thing is that we're active in the community. We're fighting for our rights. We're not just some company making money off of it, but we're actually doing something about it. Um, and our big thing, like we say, I want to arm you physically and philosophically. That comes from the articles that we produce teaching, you know, home defense, which gun to choose, and then as well as some controversial um, topics as well, just regarding the constitution, the amendments, and what laws should be passed and should not. So awesome, man. Well, thanks for sponsoring the podcast and thanks for joining us on this kind of this
2: mashup of the AR-15 podcast and loose rounds. That link again, ammo.com slash AR fifteen podcast. Save $20 on your next order or $200 or more when you use our link. And you know, having the sponsors on the show, um, we're very appreciative to them because with the support of those about 15 guys and these sponsors, uh, they have enabled us to do some pretty cool things this past year. And uh, we have got some pretty big sites set on 2019 and doing some pretty cool stuff. So guys, um, thank you so much for sponsoring the podcast. I look forward to getting some of your feedback here as uh, we roll through the year in review. Up uh, first, January. Now, I don't know if anybody else... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't I'm trying, even... <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, but here, here's the thing. <laughs> January, to me, the, the, the whole thing sticks out. The whole SHOT Show experience sticks out from the Reformation. Um, we have talked about it. I think I had a couple of drinks when I talked about it on the podcast. <laughs> it may have gone off on a tangent or two, but... Um, the story is is they were – the Reformation, it shoots Nerf footballs or projectiles that look like it. Um, Read if if you can, we'll go into the more technical details in a second. But we went to shoot it uh, to check out what all the, the hype was about. Now, they have said in emails to us that they weren't behind the hype machine or whatever. Well, you released a press release on this thing. Uh, you got the hype going. It's you, you either take credit for going viral, you you take the good with going viral, or you take the bad with going viral. You have to take both of it. And uh, so we went up to shoot, and uh, one of their PR guys said, "Go ahead, take pictures, go up there and do it." And this old crotchety fart start screaming and yelling and stuff, and get back.
1: Wait a minute. Wait Did a minute. Is that explicit language?
2: Old crotchety fart. Oh, I'm just.
1: Wondering. And his name his name wasn't Reed, so
2: yep.
5: No, <laughs> that's
1: old and salty.
2: <laughs>
4: Explicit language Old cratty the Fart is Chad's web name
5: <laughs>
2: <laughs> So uh, I passed on Shooting it um, We've had communication throughout the year to have them on And like they've I've seen their stuff pop up about You know we we have kind of a standing Invite to have them on the show but it's not Going to be a It's it's not going to be a softball show it's going to be We're going to ask some tough questions because uh, Three minute MOA it like two feet i mean come on guys i mean so first uh i'm gonna let tony go on this one and uh (laughs) your your thoughts on january's topic would be the reformation
4: um okay i'll be cool with this it's a fail you brought something to market that you wanted to be innovative but it didn't work out um, your personnel that you had at Shot Show really couldn't explain their way out of a wet paper bag, if anyone remembers the <laughs> interview that they pulled down, um, where the guy didn't even know what he was talking about. The purpose of what they did, I dig it. You know what I mean? Uh, another FU to the ATF and the silly rules. So you had a smoothbore rifle. It just didn't work well. And then you had all kinds of crazy claims, and you just embarrassed yourself. No one was looking for this. There was no need to rush this before it was done. You could have taken your time. Again, I get what you were doing. You wanted to put something out that showed how ridiculous the ATF rules are. But at the same time, you got egg all over your face. And then you didn't handle the controversy afterwards well. You just embarrassed yourself as a company. And that was totally unnecessary. And that sucks. And I hope it doesn't stop anybody else from coming up with something new. But have your stuff together when you go to the industry's largest show,
2: Matt. What did you, Matt? What did you think about the uh, Nerf football
0: shooting gun? <laughs> okay, they just did the marketing wrong. Okay, here's what they should have done: bronze seracote it and market it to steampunk cosplayers looking to make the transition. To real weapons because it's a (laughs) smoothbore, right? Right? You call it you call it the auto blunderbuss. Oh, oh, I like that. (laughs) There you go. I'm just, Uh, I'm I'm just saying. Actually, I might want one now. (laughs) See, see.
2: Alex,
5: your thoughts? I I don't have any. I didn't. I haven't looked into that much, and I wasn't there last year, so I'm I'm upset now though. uh, Yeah. I'm telling you, the memes were great. I mean, we should say thank you.
2: We should say thank you just solely based on the memes. Derek, any oh, thoughts?
5: Yeah, I, cool I thought it was uh,
3: interesting. It was an interesting uh, choice that they put a big, huge, uh, uh, an awesome buggy in their booth and, and then populated it with a bunch of people that just handed you a brochure when you asked about it. I felt like I was joining a cult. <laughs> it's like, don't look behind the curtain because uh, just a joke. All right, Chad. I know you got
2: something to say (laughs) because you were, you were there. You wit. not only did you, I think you witnessed the falling out with the guy at the booth.
1: I witnessed the falling out. Then I shot it. And this thing, okay. (laughs) I'll, I'll save my last comment because this is just makes it perfect. But, you know, I shot it. And when you shoot it, it feels like a regular SBR, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, okay. And I'm shooting it. And I can't hit, like, a 50-yard steel torso target. Okay, well, that's nothing to, like, don't play the gun. No, I'm, th- I'm thinking to myself, I know I can shoot better than this. <laughs> and I just kind of was like, eh, okay, maybe I can't shoot that good. But then I, all this comes out, and I'm like, okay, this is just I, – I couldn't – I do not didn't even know really what to say, except like Tony said, I like it when people come out and say – Hey, ATF, your laws are stupid, but I still football type projectiles or not, which they still haven't released. It, it, it's just normal ammo. You can shoot through it. So I didn't quite get it. And then to top this all off, I'm looking at your show notes and I check my email and there's an email from them that says the Reformation is now shipping.
2: Yep. No way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the, does it say the MSRP on it, Chad?
1: Oh, I don't know. I erased it.
3: Yeah, <laughs> they go, got the, go. the seven and a half inch version is like eleven hundred to fourteen hundred dollars and then the eleven an inch is uh sixteen to eighteen hundred dollars with the binary trigger, of course.
1: Well of course I can buy a binary trigger and SBR something for cheaper. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even with the tax stamp.
2: All right, Reed. The uh Reformation. Um your thoughts.
1: You know, here's
6: the thing. I understand that everybody thinks the uh, the the code and the regs uh, surrounding what the ATF does are kind of stupid. I get that. But this is not a way to change them. You know, go out and do the political thing and get your grassroots movement going and do all those things you need to do to get the law changed. But at the end of the day, all you're doing when you do this kind of crap is a disservice to your customer. Because here's the thing. It's like that whole bump stock thing. You know, at the end of the day... I don't really have an opinion about the product itself. I couldn't care less. I don't want somebody to go out and screw it up so that nobody can buy one. But the thing is, is why are we trying to thumb our nose at the ATF? The more you thumb your nose at the ATF, you're going to drive the attention to whatever the hell it is you're doing. And then all of a sudden, someone's going to come down on you. You know, uh, we did it with the brace. We did it with uh, the bump stock, um, binary trigger. I mean, all these different ways to essentially not do the thing that we want to do, but only like halfway do it. And all you're doing is drawing fire and you're not changing the laws. And then you and I, uh, consuming public, when we go out and invest in their big hype and that carpet gets yanked out from under us because something happens, we're screwed. We can't unscrew ourselves. And guess what? You know, that company's gone off to the races with your money. I don't know. I think it's just a great big disservice. Dang hey. Think well, that would thanks say. for
4: taking all the fun out of everything. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow! <laughs> Somebody get that guy a scotch.
1: Okay, hey, <laughs> now can I interject something? Oh,
4: Every, everything was great. All the kids are playing. Then Dad came home from work. Thanks <laughs> a lot, Reed. <laughs> can,
1: can I interject something here?
4: Sure.
1: Okay, Tony, is this legal in in Jersey because it's not a firearm?
4: I don't want to be the test case. <laughs> okay. Um, it's that simple. And, and Reed is right. Uh, what we all really want is the NFA to go away. Amen. And if you're not taking steps toward that, I see what he's saying. Pointing I, I, out the how ludicrous it is, it, us in the firearm industry, for the most part, regular gun guys know this. Some people who've never owned anything but their granddad's 30, 30 or a hunting shotgun, they don't know any of this stuff about the NFA for real. Um, But yeah, I mean, the legislative part and actually changing laws and changing rules makes more sense, but it's just not easy to do. And there's a level of frustration and even acceptance in the firearm industry that these are just rules we're going to have to work around. So that's why we do what we do. But yeah, Reed is right. It would be great if everybody just went, you know what, I'm not taking this crap anymore. And all 80 million gun owners got together and voted as a block and just started going nuts and, and about changing this law. But right, we,
1: and, and, and that's the thing is, in my case, I mean, start small. Get rid of the 86 crime bill so I can at least build, build something else and still have to pay 200 bucks. Start, you know, there.
4: Yeah.
1: Because there's certain things you can't put on the registry anymore.
4: <laughs> yeah, if we're talking compromise, that's a compromise. We need to get something out of it as, I, as firearms owners.
1: I didn't say a compromise. I said start there.
4: No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Truthfully, I want to start 1930s. I, I want to start with the NFA, and you can talk me off that ledge.
1: We can go back to 1776 is where should we should start, right?
4: Hey, we need to calm the heck down. One, one of us is black. We ain't going back to 1776.
1: <laughs> okay, I, I, I get it, Tony. Okay, sorry. Uh, maybe we no, just all
6: right. go back there and insist on some footnotes. All right. Yeah, exactly. Let's make sure we describe what the Second Amendment's for, guys.
2: <laughs> Coming up. So, uh, moving out of the Reformation period of 2018 and into uh, school shooting, the Stoneman Douglas High School shooting that gave us such um, amazing political figures as David Hogg. Um, guys, what was the impact that you saw from this school shooting uh, on the firearms industry? Reed, since your dad tonight and your giving a very level playing field for us i'm gonna let you go first so the kids can come and play afterwards so i mean here here
6: are the observations i have first and foremost even though i think there was kind of like that you know people were you know jumping the the gun to try to get ahead of the crisis and what they thought might be a potential you know crunch like we had in 2012 that didn't materialize um Another thing I think that we have had so many people come in since 2012 and all of that, that tried to present real facts, real history, real, you know, impact from, you know, what's going on in the world, what's going on in America with regard to the firearms, that it, it didn't have the same gut wrenching, you know, grab your nuts kind of deal that, you know, we had in, um, Newtown. So it, it kind of, strikes me as a little worrisome that that there wasn't that big groundswell of of angst because it kind of seems like we're getting used to it but I don't really think that that is what happened but you know we've got all of these pro second amendment um individuals coming out providing with uh, us with good information and uh what's his name lot is it john lot who's the professor that yeah, John Lott. yeah i mean yeah. Just his analysis of the foundation that says, uh, uh, that we're the worst in terms of, uh, you know, mass, uh, shootings. And he comes up with information that basically discounts that, discredits all of that history or that, that research that uh, was improperly done and presented as fact. I mean, it, it, I think it's the driving force that's getting real knowledge out into the world and Those are the things that help, like Tony, get out and say, no, it's not this awfully misguided piece of information you need to be aware of. It's this piece of information that's well thought out, well reviewed. So, I mean, I think it was kind of a, I don't know, a a speed bump or a, a landmark, you know, something in the road to measure our progress against. And I think that we have made some progress in terms of the firearms industry on a broader basis. And, you know, I don't care when it is where it is what it is any time that anybody loses their life because of some horribly misguided twisted person that's just a tragedy but i do like the fact that we're not knee jerking at every little crisis
2: chad
1: i was going to say you know you got to agree with reed I also think that probably what helped our cause so much in this shooting was how everything was handled before it. You know, everything came out about, oh, this guy has been, you know, in trouble. They knew about this kid. You know, the FBI's been called to his house. You know, and so I think people who weren't gun owners kind of looked at it and said, this was a flaw in the system as opposed to just, you know, your tragic school shooting. And so it's kind of, you know, I kind of see what Reed's saying, but I also think that there's certain things that, you know, the news actually reported on that helped people look at it from a standpoint of, oh, this wasn't really all so much a gun problem as it was a society problem or this individual's problem.
2: Alex, what did you see the the impact on the firearms industry from the shooting at, at Stoneman Douglas?
5: So anytime a shooting of sorts happens, we always see, obviously, a rise in sales because people are kind of getting prepared for what legislation is typically going to, if not happen, at least be called to attention. Um, but I'd say the big thing is just, like, now states considering attack, attacking businesses – like, you know, you have California, all of a sudden we can't ship to California residents. We have to ship to FFLs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we're going to see an increase in that. And I think it was on a previous episode Reed, or someone mentioned, um, speak with your money. And I think the business also knows that as well. We're not the business, the government knows that as well. And so they're trying to get the money out of it. And, you know, you get rid of gun manufacturers and an- ammo, um, make it hard on them and they can't say in business. Um, I think that's, we're seeing more of that. Derek, what do you think?
3: Yeah, I would agree that it's been, it's been difficult to watch. It was, it was different to watch that particular one because of the, um, especially being friends with lots of law enforcement. Uh, and a lot of them either have worked at, 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 in that role at a school, um, or, um, on SWAT, et cetera. And they were very, uh, they were disgusted at the response. And that was most of what I heard just in the general populace as well as on the counter with customers um, was just the, the disgust with law enforcement in that particular case and the corruption of the corruption surrounding how they basically turned a blind eye to the, to the behavior of students in the, in that school and things like that. So, yeah, I agree that it was in some ways the the media did a, a service to, to a fair look at it by talking about it in that way. As far as drawing attention to, I mean, we had essentially not quite lynch mobs calling for the multiple different layers of punishment for the sheriff um, and things like that. But it was, it was different, I think in that way because people saw it for what it was, but it was both a failure on failure to act in this guy's particular case and failure to act once he was doing it, that the guys just kind of stood there. And didn't
0: yeah, I mean, I, I think it I think the the big weaponized psychology effort in the aftermath of the whole thing for political purposes was a failure on one hand, because Americans really reacted with their gut and said, you know, leave me alone. Don't take my stuff, which is what I love about our culture. Um, yeah. But it was successful on the other hand, because it gave a lot of cover to financial organizations like alex mentioned um to really put the heat to uh the industry and uh you know i think those effects are still being felt and i think that's a real shame that that they had the cover to do that garbage
2: tony i'm going to give you the final word on this one this shooting had a real
4: effect in a place like new jersey because they used it as an excuse uh to pass more legislation Uh, Even while saying they weren't using it as an excuse, they brought it up. Every single legislator brought it up in the assembly when they passed this last round of six uh, gun control measures in New Jersey. And they never, ever spoke about the failure of the government to keep people safe. That's what we as gun people have been pointing out, but really it didn't help us at all in New Jersey because they will continue pushing this narrative that it was just innocent school kids and there's nothing that you as a regular citizen can do to stop this thing. And they continually push that narrative. So it was horrible. And and it, it also showed what us as gun owners and us as Second Amendment advocates tell people continually you are on your own you're your own first responder you cannot depend on the police and then when the report comes back from the thing and they say the police have no duty to go in and save your life as an individual which has already been proven in court cases in supreme court too that i know of everyone acts surprised meanwhile the mainstream media doesn't even carry it so it's really horrible but it just shows the Media, media narrative and the fact that they were able to pull this off and they were able to get their talking points out there to
2: the American public as a whole and blow ours off at the same time as stealing our rights. You know, I think it's, I think it leads into the next month into March. Uh, when I was cruising for stories in March to find, I saw that, uh, we set a record in March, but that record has been broken several times throughout the year, um, for background checks for sales of firearms. So, uh, the reaction to, My opinion is this reaction to some of the um, David out there, you know, talking like he knows what life's all about as an 18-year-old boy. Um, I think that kind of fueled not some panic buying or fear buying, but more like speaking with your dollar, saying, you know, this is something you're not going to take away from me. Um, So in March, they saw a record-breaking amount of firearm sales, which kind of flies in the face of the Trump slump that um, some have been uh, experiencing. So as you see that, as you go through that, uh, Alex, we'll start with you first. Did you guys see a bump in buying that led to any kind of increase throughout this early spring or early spring, late summer?
5: Oh yeah. Yeah. And and like I said earlier, it happens every time there's a shooting Um, or like if Hillary would have been elected, we would have seen a bump in as well. So like you said, I'm not sure if this is scared buying, um, but typically, we see any type anytime government is meeting. If people are afraid of legislation being passed, or you know California passing not being able to get ammo shipped to your house, um, people tend to go out and buy in mass. So I'm going to ask: Has anybody here bought? I mean, besides myself
2: buying blowers at every time something goes wrong, um, and that's 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 my mo. Uh, has anybody here on the panel have you bought something in response to a? uh hillary clinton election a sandy hook a las vegas shooting or anything like that have you ever um been moved to say you know what i need to shore up in this area or i i want this this is on my list to get this has anybody experienced that
0: Why yeah. I, yeah yeah right. my money
2: yeah uh matt what did you buy what did
3: you, if you don't mind sharing
0: a couple cases of ammo yeah
2: all right derek
3: yeah, I, I stocked up uh, multiple times, starting with Sandy Hook. I bought a ton of PMags, and and since I worked at a gun shop, I didn't have to pay thirty or forty dollars for each PMag. Um,
5: <laughs> oh uh, man,
3: yeah, it was nuts. Chad, did you
1: raise your hand too? Oh yeah, I. Th- the thing is, is I'm pretty much you can pretty much guarantee this with me. Anytime there's an election cycle, for some reason, I will buy ammo. Uh, doesn't matter because who knows what's going to happen, and. You know, like, I live in Oregon, and it's not like anything goes positive here. Uh, I mean, but, so, I buy ammo. I have bought magazines before, never at, like, outrageous prices, because I know, uh, you know, all of us here probably know enough to know when something's coming down the pipe, so we can buy the stuff before the price goes up. Uh, But I think that's really about it. I mean, ammo and... You know, I've been through the ammo slumps when you couldn't even get twenty two. Luckily, I could reload, but I can't reload twenty two long rifles. So, you know, I tend to even stock up on twenty two now.
2: Reed, you said you did, right? What's yeah. your experience?
6: Well, I mean, it was right after Sandy Hook, and the thing was is I was in the middle of a build for my father. And so, of course, the one little piece that I couldn't find was the, the, the stripped upper receiver. So i I had <laughs> to pay... The, uh, you know, black market prices for an assembled upper receiver. And it was about as plain Jane as you could get. And it was the most expensive upper receiver I've ever bought in my life. (laughs) Tony,
2: Tony?
4: I don't know if I bought because of it. Okay. Yeah. You know what I did? But Jersey's always in that flex, always (laughs) worried about what the new thing is coming down. Because they'll just pull it out of their butts and, and launch it at us. So yeah, I mean, I purchased some lowers <clears throat> and, and to get some rifle bills because we did do the build for the industry that we're actually going to have on, um, our Patreon soon. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I bought a bunch of stuff and I had to buy parts. I bought ammo. I stocked up on 22 because just I stock up on 22. So of course, if anything ever happens, I have tens of thousands of rounds in my arsenal. <laughs> You'll hear. Hear that on the news. Most of it's 22 long rifle. And, um, but I bought it heading into it because you know what's going to happen. So when it happened, I was pretty much set. Um, I didn't, I picked it up where I could find it, you know, with the Walmart three box minimum thing. If I stumbled into a Walmart, I'd pick up three boxes of 22. And what happened is I still have some of my stash that I don't have to touch because I built it up enough. So yeah, I guess I did. But I'm always in that state of preparedness or preparing in Jersey because you have to be.
2: So I was at work the morning that Sandy Hook started uh, breaking on the TV. Um, I was in broadcasting at the time and uh, watching it play out. So I knew that magazines were going to be a thing or like there's going to be, you know, when I looked back, I was like, this is I need more PMAGs. So uh, I went to more expensive than dirt. And uh, I ordered a bunch of PMAGs. I think I ordered 50 of them and they had them at a decent price at that. So I got an email confirming my my purchase. A week goes by, two weeks go by, three weeks go by, four weeks go by, five weeks go by. Then I got an email that said my purchase had been canceled. Well, at that time, you couldn't come close to the $12 PMAGs and they're famously known for having, what was it, like 80 something bucks or 90 bucks a PMAG. So that was it. I did buy some lowers, but didn't get, uh, didn't get too beat up over them. But I remember that fallout. If you wanted something, if you wanted the uppers to match the lowers, now you're going to pay a pretty penny. And I think the purchase of the, uh, TPM outfitters, MP5 clone that I have, the SD, I think that was that one gun that I was like, if anything else goes down, I know that they're going to move for, cause our state is turning blue. It, it turned blue in the last election. Um, I kind of saw the writing on the wall knowing that the guns that I want to get, the firearms I want to get, I need to get them now. And that way I have them before anything comes down the pipe. Same thing with that Benelli. I wanted it. I knew that I needed to pull the trigger soon because the Las Vegas shooting happened. And so I've been slowly throughout the year stocking up on the stuff that I think that they're, that they're going to 86. So uh, it's unfortunate that the West Coast of the United States is some of the most beautiful country you'll ever run across but it's also some of the country that's so far shoved up its rear end politically that, uh, I don't know if we're ever going to be able to get it back. I know we have a, a large contingent of listeners. In fact, our largest contingent of listeners, uh, is in California. Um, one of the top five is in Washington. Um, and Oregon also has several, uh, listeners that we have there. So they're in their top 15. So, uh, I am going to feel their pain real soon here where our governor elect takes office here in the next month. And uh, he's all about bump stocks and silencers and assault weapons and machine guns and wants to get out rid of all that uh, nasty stuff, according to him. So he used the uh, Las Vegas shooting as a propaganda tool and uh, unfortunately it works. So we're going to see those uh, come down. So I imagine there's going to be a pretty big boom here in Nevada real quick. Um, before they can squeak by uh, legislation, uh, I believe the Assembly and the House meet or Assembly and the Senate meet in February um, to get things through committee. We're probably looking because uh, it's all controlled probably April, May, and maybe the governor signing it by June or July or fast tracking it. So the next couple of months, I'm looking to uh, sell a kidney. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't think I need my liver that much anymore, so I'm going to sell that too. Um, my kids are donating blood every like couple of days, so uh, we're do- we're pulling together as a family to do what we can to try to combat this. But, uh, so you're and- going
3: to sell so much stuff, your kids think that they're next.
2: Yeah, it's already getting there for some of this <laughs> stuff. So um, now into something a little happy because I feel like the last two are a downer. Um, this is something Reed and I got to shoot at uh, Range Day. Uh, for SIG back in January of 2018, but it, uh, well, well,
6: I didn't... Be, be a little clearer. It wasn't range day. It was, it Sig, was SIG had their day. own presentation.
2: Reed is a SIG fanboy, and he was very excited that I got him into SIG range day. Uh, we'll be going to SIG range day again this year. And uh, that's where I shot the P365 uh, for the first time. And that was one of the uh, concealed weapons um, of the year that you saw talked about a lot. Uh, I really enjoyed mine, uh, but at the end of the day, I'm an HK guy, so uh, I decided that uh, I would sell it and uh, move on. I believe Reed still has one has one of those ponies in his stable, right? Reed. What the P365? Yeah,
3: that's my daily carry.
2: So, uh, anybody else have any experience with the P365 this year? I saw it oh. first
3: match and they uh, well, they had the problem with the sights, and then they seem to have gotten their act together. I think it was just a bad batch. They, they got bad luck, but um, yeah, we've been selling them crap out of them. You know, I only dry fired. Them.
6: Oh yeah, I I saw. Yeah, a, I uh... was at the... Oh, all right, Tony, you go ahead. You... <laughs> no, no,
4: I was just saying I only dry fired him. I saw him at the Great American Outdoor Show
6: in Harrisburg,
4: PA, and um, I, I just tactically fondled it until pretty much I got a restraining order from Sig. Tactically fondled <laughs> it. <clears throat> yeah. So that's all I've done. I haven't found one yet. Uh, I don't think Gun for Hire has one. If they did, I would try to get my hands on it and just shoot it because I want to see what all the hype is about. So, Reed, tell us what the hype's about.
6: Well, you know, first and foremost, I think that SIG is viewed by many as being a company that manufactures quality firearms. They're not. They're not bargain basement by any means. I think the other thing is is that they worked really hard to try to put as much capacity into that pistol without you know breaking the the form factor on it, so you're still very competitive when compared to all of the other pocket pistols in that category uh, in terms of uh, its you know its function its utility you know I, I think it's great um, it worked flawlessly for me, and the one that I ended up buying uh, has worked flawlessly so um all around i think that it is just you know checking all of the boxes that everybody who is trying to get something for that purpose has been trying to get checked and you know i i, I thought it was funny i've been looking at some people uh, in their advertising and i keep seeing people take digs at sig and, you know sig is the, the 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 newcomer they you know they're they're the last one to the party and everybody's trying to take a big shot at them you know why isn't springfield going after glock or you know glock going after um uh, whoever smith and wesson the shield right you know all of a sudden they're poking fun at you know sig and to me that says
2: that obviously somebody's scared if they're going to do that i think i think the the poke and fun at sig has the the first batch of those that came out and they had the problem and then of course last year when you know, if you wanted, you could either pull the trigger on your SIG 320 or you could drop it to have it go off. I mean, I thought that was a really cool <laughs> self-defense measure. Like if somebody says drop it, <laughs> your <hand,"> you know, <laughs> you, you got a shot. I mean, you could you can make it happen. But uh, it was a great gun. It just didn't fit me. I am not a small man at all. So having something that small just didn't uh, feel right. So I turned it into uh, something else through the uh, wonderful... Uh, way of private sales here in nevada that are still legal for the time being uh up next we move to may um did anybody here attend the nra show besides reed and i oh well, no
4: not or, this nra
2: not this nra okay so <laughs> NRA. we we went to the nra show and uh, we'll we'll make it into celebrities in general um reed would not let me go across the lawn and address uh, Alyssa milano who well, I'm crushed because I had a childhood crush on her from who's the boss um, spewing her uh, hatred towards gun owners uh, when they were at the NRA meetings. You guys, uh, do you guys put any weight behind celebrities that come out and say, hey, I'm against this or I'm against guns? Or, you know, we talked about the guys from uh, Florida, Bama line that sing the country, <laughs> country pop stuff. Um, I was really
4: disappointed because that was my favorite group.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I will never stereotype you again, Tony. I, I've, yeah,
4: now I'll, I mean, I had to take them off. You know, it was them and DMX. I had them in my mixtape. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I had to delete them. It really sucked. I mean, so, I had to deal with, what was the name of it? Uh, uh, what's the country girl group? Uh Dixie, the,
1: Dixie, the, Dixie yeah, Chicks. Yeah, the
4: Dixie Chicks. They really broke my heart. Uh, I had to stop listening to them. Um, it's really cutting in all of my musical choices. I could give a darn if a celebrity liked or disliked Firearms. I don't care. You mean nothing to me. You're an entertainer. You're a monkey that dances, and I throw quarters in your cup. Dance, monkey, dance. <laughs> Same <laughs> song. Act in a movie. I don't care what your high school dropout butt has to say about anything.
1: Yeah, Tony. So, uh, you know, I uh, probably most of us here don't care what they have to say. But the problem I see is, is the people they they get the press and people actually idolize these stars or s- stars in quotation marks, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so I think it does play into something what I'm not sure, but enough people listen to her maybe and think, okay, well she might make a difference. (laughs) Um,
4: Okay. Okay.
1: I agree with what
4: you said. I agree with what you said. The people do look at celebrities. They do get the press. But the, the question was, does it influence me and what do I think? No. I don't care what they have to say. And as far as Alyssa Milano influencing people, yeah, I understand know. the only other way she could get in a newspaper is to be kidnapped.
1: No,
6: like I bet. I don't know. If she I posed bet, for Playboy, she could get
1: Eh, maybe I think maybe if no. she like if she like died at a young age, she might be able to get it in the paper.
4: Well, she passed that hump a long time ago.
2: <laughs> Matt, when you when you see a celebrity or a singer or somebody come out and they say, you know, we're against this, or we want more gun control, or you got, you know, we we experienced a lot of it at the Route 91 shooting here in Vegas. The country Stingers came out, which. You know, if you're a country artist, you don't tend to go against your core listening artists or your core listening audience because they're going to be gun-loving people uh, most of the time. What do you – when you hear somebody come out with that, what's the first thought that comes to your mind?
0: Uh, I just really bask in its incredible value and in contribution <laughs> to our civilization. No, seriously. These people are so intelligent that they get to stand in front of cameras and pretend to be other people for money. And we need to listen to them. Alex, your thoughts?
5: Um, I think it's funny how these people have developed, um, depending on who you are, a good skill set, such as country singers. If you like their music, you know, they get good playing instruments. But for some reason, their intellectual thoughts are really important as well. It just doesn't make sense to me how um, you, you can value a skill of theirs, but don't value something that they don't have expertise in. And just because they have a stage and a platform doesn't mean that they're right. Derek?
3: yeah definitely agree with because the uh probably the most the most infuriating thing is whether it's a an actor in a movie in their role doing something ignorant with a gun uh or or them talking about a gun and you hear them say something stupid like well, the media does it too with their animations i uh, like my favorite one is the one CNN did where they had the entire bullet going down the barrel of an (laughs) AR-15, the whole, the whole casing. And I'm like, well, if they're doing that on guns, which I see the difference and I know it's wrong. And I know that they're, they don't know, even know what they're talking about. What other parts of things that they're reporting on that I don't know about that I'm duped. So it just makes me want to learn more about everything as far as the, what I'm seeing, because when a, when a celebrity stands up there and talks about a ghost gun or, or pontificates their opinions about something, uh, it just makes me want to question everything. It doesn't matter what the topic is, but guns especially. And the tone deafness of these guys when they're in an action movie and then they want to – and they're shooting guns like crazy and then they want to talk about how we need to ban them. I don't understand the do – they, do they not – do they can't even hear themselves speaking but they just made $30 million off of the thing that they're asking to ban?
6: Well, I mean I nope. think you can well, attribute no, that to not being able to spell a word like hypocrisy. <laughs>
3: Uh, no, That's why I just want to understand true. the definition of <clears throat> the well, word
4: hypocrisy. What no, bothers me is mention... no one has asked that question in an interview that I know of. No one has asked Liam Neeson, hey, so all the next movies you're going to do are going to be musicals and karate movies? <laughs> like, like they're not going to be done? What happens when you do Taken 16 with your <laughs> skill set? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Is it going to be on a plane? I mean, what are you going to do?
1: With snakes?
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, on the plane. <laughs> Do you guys tend to think that uh, now I'm going to stereotype gun owners. Do you guys tend to think the gun owners or firearms owners are a little bit sharper than the celebrities that are uh, speaking about guns? Not, yep.
6: Not at all. <laughs> well, how many of you guys saw that uh, clip about the guy that was using a potato on his 300 Win Mag as a uh, redneck suppressor?
2: Yep. Wow. yep. Oh, dude, yep. You just <laughs> killed my argument. <laughs>
4: Yeah, exactly. The gun owners that they put out there are the gun owners that get the most hits on some of their stupid YouTube things, or, or the one that squash our argument. Hey, remember the guys that killed their neighbor with the high High Point over the garbage cans in the uh, driveway or something? Yeah, like like, like that made news, dude. And, and I'm like, Yo, High Point for life, but come on, man, that was a Glock forty <laughs> problem. <laughs> that was a Glock forty problem. You, you could have handled that with a conversation, bro.
2: <laughs> uh moving on into June um I put in the show notes Boulder City Council doubles down on gun and magazine ban that was in the news uh back in June during the year of 2018 did you guys see as we're spread across the country uh did you guys see uh your local not on the uh the state or the federal level but your local city council and stuff get involved with gun control
1: you know I'm I'm going to say yes but in a positive way, actually. Okay. Uh, in the county I live in, the last election, uh, we had a – it's basically a gun rights proposition or whatever that they put on the, put on the ballot, and it passed. So because it's something to do with preemption because Oregon has weird preemption laws. So if Oregon makes some weird anti-2A law – the county can just say nope, Sorry, we're not gonna we're not gonna enforce it, and you can't do anything about it. I mean, the feds still can if it's something like that. But so, actually, one little tiny section of our state did something worthwhile. On the city, we didn't have anything worthwhile. But
2: Derek, I think I saw you raise your hand.
3: Um, well, it was interesting because the, the uh, in the north in the this past election the. They actually were able to put through a uh, voter ID law in North Carolina and passed. They put it on a referendum. Uh, but then somewhere, let's see, when was it? Um, November. I want to say. It. no early October. I think we actually had a school shooting South of here in uh, a high school. It wasn't, it didn't make a huge bunch, a bunch of news because it was a, it was a, a love spat apparently between two students over a girl. Um, but it, everything got locked down and it was a big scare for a couple of days and then it kind of blew over and, and there was no move. I was surprised because Charlotte city council, Charlotte has become almost the New York city of the South. A lot of the banks are here. A lot of the banks money are here and the banks politics are following quickly. And so Charlotte has become an interesting kind of conglomerate of very Yankee politics and very Yankee ideas with the general. With the with the people in power, and then the rest of the county, and then all the surrounding counties are st- have stayed red, hard red. Um, and it's interesting to see that take place. But we've had one positive thing where we were able to give away. Well, the the police, CMPD, Charlotte Mecklenburg uh, Police Department came and bought a hundred of those Hornady little snap safes. They're like ten or eleven bucks that you can put a single handgun in, and we gave them away. And the, we got a ton of media press out of that and a lot of coverage and a lot of good, goodwill to the, to the, to the community. So that was a positive thing that came out of it, which we obviously supported because locking your guns up and keeping them safe is, is not a thing that we should, it's a thing that we should support as gun owners of responsible care of your firearms.
2: Absolutely have you guys uh so moving up to the state level, we'll talk about the the midterm elections a little bit later, moving up to the state level, are, are you guys seeing anything that's impacting you? I've already spoken a little bit about Nevada um any any of you guys experiencing negative or positive things uh in the firearms industry that influence it Alex, you're raising your hand
5: yeah, so I actually wouldn't say anything on the state level, but I wanted to touch on the point um, as far as on the city level, especially in regards to the Boulder incident, because at that time in June, I was living in Columbia, Missouri, which is a heavy college town. And just like Boulder, anytime like a college has a significant portion of the population, it just ensures this like heavy leftist agenda and um politics. And so in Columbia, we saw like on campus protests and riots and all that. And so, not riots, necessarily, but protests. And so we see that in Missouri. It's just like Kansas City, St. Louis, Columbia, just blue dots, right, where the colleges are. Now, and then the Do you rest know why that is, is Alex? That. Why is that?
6: Because they've never had real jobs yet. When they have to start paying taxes, they'll become Republicans.
5: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah why is it like if you're 20 and um, Republican, you're heartless? If you're 30 and Democrat— You're brainless, something. (laughs) (laughs) Nice.
4: Well, uh, in Jersey, of course. Oh, go ahead. No, go
2: ahead, Tony. I'm not going to interrupt you. Well,
4: yeah, in Jersey, we've seen a lot of it. Of course, we had the six bills that passed in June, uh, including the magazine ban. Uh, Yes, the magazine, the 10-round magazine limitation passed in Jersey in June. It only uh, started in December. That's where the law kicked in. But from June until December, you couldn't leave the house with your 15-round magazines without breaking the law. They weren't supposed to leave your home. So these people that are acting shocked, especially law enforcement, that they didn't get an exemption until last week, um, they were all breaking the law for half the year. We have 24 more anti-gun bills in the pipe. They're going to attack everything from ammunition Being able to buy it online now, is they're going to try to make that illegal. Um, They're going after features on the rifle. So now you won't be able to have a detachable magazine with a pistol grip or a muzzle device. I mean, they're just going down the line. It's going to become more and more difficult. Hopefully, what happened on December 10th, when all of a sudden everyone woke the frig up on their Facebook groups and realized they were limited to 10 rounds, is these people get active. In 2019, they'll actually start coming to the rallies we hold. They'll actually start voting in the primary in June and writing letters. Something has to wake them up. We have 1.3 million gun owners in this state, and most of them have their heads resting well up their buttocks. They sit there and let stuff like this pass and won't even know it. I'm getting calls left and right, hey, what should we do? What should we do? Well, would you want to jump in a hot tub time machine and go back to when you should have done something before the primary? I mean, the governor-elect only had on his page, if a bill gets to his desk, he's going to sign it regardless. And Mm. that's what's happening. Dang. So, hopefully 2019 wakes gun owners up. But yes, in Jersey, they've been waiting for this. This has been their wet dream, and we're probably going to lead the country in stupid gun laws if gun owners don't wake up.
6: Don't you already lead the country in stupid gun laws?
4: It's like neck-and-neck California, New York. Okay. Okay. And every now and again, Maryland and Delaware want to get a participation
2: trophy. (laughs) (laughs) So moving on into uh, the next one, I want to read a a supporter of – Justice Kavanaugh's uh, appointment to the Supreme Court by uh, Mr. Trump uh, in nominating Judge Kavanaugh to be the next Supreme Court justice, the Trump administration has once again shown brazen disregard for the people it claims to protect. Judge Kavanaugh's dangerous views on the Second Amendment are far outside the mainstream of even conservative thought and stand in direct opposition to the values and priorities of the vast majority of Americans. Uh, this coming from friend of the AR-15 podcast and firearms owners everywhere. Uh, Gabby Gifford. Uh, guys, <laughs> no, your thought. Wait a
6: minute. Didn't somebody shoot her in the head?
4: <laughs> nice. I was going to say that, but I was like, wow, that's way too mean. <laughs> you guys are going to go
0: for the brain damage. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, yeah. I, uh, I
6: got to think that affects someone's ability to like present a coherent argument when you're in support of something.
3: And have
2: rational thought. Yeah. I was, well, at, it's a also written. Game. I was at a football game when it came uh, over the loudspeaker that uh, she had been shot like walking into the stadium i paused for a second said a prayer and went to the football game but um guys when justice kavanaugh was appointed when that was who trump uh, appointed and then he was confirmed uh your thoughts on it regarding the second amendment and firearms (laughs) issues we're facing today in this country don't everybody be shy Uh,
4: (laughs) i was waiting for you to call
2: a name name?
0: Uh, okay
2: (laughs) i mean (laughs) matt let's go with you first
0: OK, I I mean, I think it's interesting how people can hate the guy because he can honestly read a document and say honestly what it says. I mean, that's that's all the guy seems to be about. I mean, I I, I read his commentary on Heller and he, he kind of made some funny little arguments like, oh, you know, these weapons have not been historically banned or um, what was the other one? I had a note on it. But just, just sort of like or er, er, he's evoking crime statistics and saying, well, you know, really pistols are more used more in crime than, than, than long guns. And, and I didn't appreciate the way he was giving credence to those things. But at the end of the day, he came down on the right side of it. Um, and, and, and it's just because he's an honest guy who reads the Constitution the way it's written. And, and I'm sorry if you don't like it, but that's what it says. And we're a nation of laws. So.
4: I was upset.
0: <clears throat> Mainly because I want a foaming
4: at the mouth Second Amendment advocate to come in as yeah. Supreme Court Justice. I want I want I want uh uh Adam Kraut to be a Supreme Court Justice. That's what I want, someone who wants to get rid of the NFA. Um yeah. But he he was talking about the Constitution and and, and and how it reads. And I'm like, that's really all you can ask for, isn't it? I mean, just it's the law. It's the law of the land. Let's quit trying to reinterpret something that was so simple. And it's not only taken in what was written then. It was taken in what was written by the people that wrote the Constitution, wrote the Declaration, and also this, the history of gun control in this country and what it was used for, which was against people of color. It was uh, against Native Americans, against Irish. It was against Italians. Gun control was used to control people. It was never a good thing. It was never used to help anyone. It was only used to control people to be victimized. And if you can't see that, you don't want to see that. So, yeah, pro-gun all the way. Glad he came in. And um, I heard the lady who was after him was actually more pro-gun than him. So hopefully she gets on, too, when uh, the Crypt Keeper finally, you know.
2: (laughs) So, Tony, are you telling me that the second is for everyone?
4: It was saying the second is for everyone.
6: <laughs>
4: and you can buy these shirts at ten twenty-two clothing dot us. It's like five eleven before the bigger guy.
1: <laughs> and 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 if you want to go even farther, he has his the sec uh, he has gun control as racism shirts. Yeah, that's it. Oh, that's that one. That's, that's awesome. just your two A for each shirt. I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nice. I'm going to put the – do you have kid sizes?
2: Because, man, I put those on my kids.
4: Yes, I do, actually. Uh, again,
2: 1022clothing.us all the way up to 6X
4: for big, like fat dudes it. like me.
2: Alex, and you have it. any thoughts on the, the new Supreme Court justice appointing?
5: Uh, I think they pretty much touch base on everything. But in short and sweet, I'd say good, not great. Like He's he's not foaming at the mouth, but he, he's got a good interpretation of it and is able to take it as it is. So, Derek? yeah
3: I was uh it was in some ways I think positive to see how how much political capital the Democrats burned to try to sabotage him uh, they wasted a lot of effort and I think in even some of my rather liberal or even extremely liberal friends and family uh, were pretty disgusted at the the way that everybody was foaming at the mouth and the way that it was a, such a smear job um, and I think they lost a lot of credence with the general populace, I yep. think they, they got a lot of egg on their face trying to stop him. And I don't think they gained anything obviously because he got confirmed. So, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's, yeah, it, like, like you said, if we can get the Cryptkeeper Keeper out of there, I think we'll be, I think we'll be on solid footing to, to keep second amendment at least safe from significant erosion for another little bit anyway.
1: Mr. Wallace. Well, you know, most of it's been said, uh, I was really disappointed at how how the smear campaign on him was everywhere. It's like, I mean, you could see right through it, you know, but I think the guy's a decent guy. It's like other people have said, he can read something and understand it. I mean, the Constitution is not hard to understand. I mean, I think they purposely wrote it that way so that people would understand it. And so I think it's a good thing. Uh, yeah, he's not like everybody said foaming at the mouth, but try. I don't think if he was foaming at the mouth, I do not think that he would have been approved. So, I I think it's it, it's good that he got in there, Uh, and I hope he does good for us. That's all we can hope. Now,
2: Reed, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the clock, okay?
1: Well, he is a lawyer, so
2: yeah, he he is a lawyer. <laughs> but I'm gonna put you on the clock, so go. <laughs> So
6: here's the thing. You know, everybody says that they're 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 not quite as enthusiastic as they wanted to be about him because he wasn't a foaming at the mouth, you know, pro 2A guy. Well, I think the thing that that may have been why the left was so concerned, and something that wasn't picked up on by some of the right, is the fact that he doesn't necessarily have to be pro 2A to be the good jurist for our causes. I think the thing that makes him a good Supreme Court choice is the fact that he is opposed to the idea that bureaucrats create law. We've seen this with the ATF when they came up with the bump stock business. The definition of what a machine gun is came from the code. The code was written by legislators. It has not changed one bit since its original writing and signing into law. The only thing that's happened is a bureaucratic agency has interpreted it. Now, the, the case law that has allowed them to do this is, you know, uh, longstanding, and it drives many, many agencies from the IRS to the ATF to the EPA. And it's the idea that you just defer to whatever they think is best. Problem is, is that they're not lawmakers. That's where his strength is. That's where he is very foaming at the mouth. If he cuts the ATF off at the legs, I mean, this kind of shenanigan is no longer going to be standard operating procedure. That, I think, is the value. You know, the flip side of it is, you know, Roberts wants the Supreme Court that's going to be able to pass significant – uh present significant decisions. He doesn't want a bunch of 5-4 decisions because those are going to get overturned the next time that the balance of power shifts in the Supreme Court. But you start putting up, you know, 7-2s, 8-1s, 6-3s. You start cementing into the idea of precedents, you know, cases that are going to be long-standing and definitive foundation stones for what we want to have happen on the Second Amendment side. And, you know, I think when they uh, handed Trump uh, 55 senators that were uh, uh, Republicans or right leaning, um, I think that's a clear indication that he's going to have another shot at putting more in if, uh, what you call her, the crib keeper? The crib keeper. You know, if, if she doesn't come back, you know, at some point she she's unable to return to the bench. Then I, I think that we have a real shot at some phenomenal strengthening of
0: our government system, our nation of laws. I know people keep offering Ginsburg their organs to keep her alive. Um, so I don't know, man.
6: Well, hey, as long as they don't match, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: She can't hold
4: off forever. She's got to walk into the light soon.
2: <laughs> so um, I'm trying to find a way to copy and paste this in uh, the show notes. I will get it in there. But uh, Jeff and Brian from Aero Precision just sent over the uh, build that we're giving away in January and February. Reed, did you see it? I did. What's that your thoughts? Awesome. It is It is. Pretty, pretty sick. I'm going to try to get it into the show notes here in a second. But uh, moving on down this year, so that's why I was a a little distracted. Um, Man, what a cluster of a story. But uh, it was one of the big ones of the year, the 3D gun plans that were put out to download. Um, Guys, tell us a little bit of your thoughts on this. Tony, I'll start with you uh, on the 3D guns.
4: 3D guns uh, and the downloading of it was actually made illegal by our attorney general here in Jersey. So he said, we can't have those. So he's one of the people, I think, being sued. But yeah, yeah he put that out. <laughs> we can't have this. <laughs> uh, so uh, I, I just find it funny because I don't – no one needs 3D plans to be able to make a gun. But in Jersey, it's already against the law to build a gun yourself at home. We can't do 80% wars. We can't do any of that without a license. So him making the statement was just him
3: playing politics.
4: Again. Yeah. Derek?
3: Um, yeah, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was interesting the way it seems like everybody who gets on the the government. Matt's going to start shaking his head here in a second. <laughs> everybody that gets on the the government's bad side, especially in a, like a politically charged thing like that, all of a sudden randomly gets accused of some uh, politically incorrect crime, and I think the. Um, What's his name? The guy from the 3D. Plan- uh, what was his name? The- Cody Wilson. Cody, yeah. Ended up with uh, was it child pornography on his computer or something like that, or uh,
5: more than that, liaisons, sleeping a with minor.
3: a minor, yeah, sixteen-year-old. <laughs> Just don't think that's a coincidence. I would not yeah. going
0: to go there, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I,
3: I, yep, I would. It happens too often me. for it to be random. Like, there's no way that that's every person that. Has one of these ends up being one of those.
4: Hold on. Just because the teenage girl's last name was Ford and her grandmother accused Kavanaugh of slapping her booty
0: at a party <laughs> in the 80s, you think it was all a setup by the same people? <laughs> it's almost like you think that these people are less than honest, Derek. Uh, yeah, you think? <laughs> I, do. I do. I do think. Hey, Matt, what do you think? I think that the only people that care about 3D printed guns at all are people that live behind a shield of metal detectors all the time and are terrified of being assassinated because they're ruining a country. Just hypothetically speaking. <laughs> the rest of us do not care. Do does anybody care about a stupid one shot plastic gun that falls apart after a few shots? Nope. nope. Does anybody want that? I don't want that. I do not, not mean. care. At nope. All. I could build something I got a high at Home Depot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Tony, no. isn't is, isn't that a gun that after a couple shots falls apart?
4: <laughs> no, no, a whole bunch of shots, and it hasn't fallen apart yet. But I got my eye on it.
1: I'm I, the only thing I'm going to say here about it is I could care less about a single shot pistol that you print out. It doesn't matter to me. I mean, so there, there's that, but. I, I understand why people dislike it, because, you know, I remember some history and the Liberator pistols of World War II. Yep. You know, well, if something like that happens, a 3D printed gun that shoots two shots and falls apart might be a really nice thing to have. <laughs> and yeah,
6: I don't disagree with that idea.
1: So that's my only thoughts on it. That's why people don't want you to have them.
6: Well, and don't you think it's a little silly that they're going to be concerned about plans for a 3D printed gun? When you know, if you spend enough time, you can figure out how to get on the dark web and order a barrel full of methamphetamines and a couple of machine guns. I mean, you know. I,
4: I also find well. it crazy because working in the prison environment, like I do, um, and seeing some of the things that inmates make depends on how much freedom they have. They make guns better than the Liberator pistol made out of plastic. <laughs> that falls apart after two rounds. So I'm saying if an inmate can make a better firearm, anyone that runs a machine shop can make a much better firearm. Anyone that yep. has access to Home Depot can make a better firearm. Um, during the Second World War, while we were trying to litter Liberator pistols all over the place, which we didn't do, by the way, uh, there were people in workshops making open bolt submachine guns. So, yeah. It's not really that big of a deal. Those plans are already out there. I don't need Cody Wilson or his little plastic two shot gun. But I'm glad he's out there. I'm glad he's pushing that envelope. But really, no, it really, really means nothing.
6: Well, he's he's actually been replaced. There's 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 another leadership team over there. Okay.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Why is he at Chuck E. Cheese? (laughs)
6: <laughs> I think he's in uh, police uh, custody right
1: now <laughs> for being a Chuck E. Mm-hmm.
5: You know, I met him at the GRPC a couple of years ago. And so he didn't just, like you said, coincidence. Like he did not strike me as the type of guy um, to go around sleeping with 16-year-olds. Uh, he was just a normal gun guy who had hard, hardcore beliefs on the Constitution, what should be allowed, and the government overstepping its boundaries. So it, it's funny to me some of the arguments that people were able to bring up, like you can sneak this onto a plane because it's plastic. Um, but they completely forget, like, oh, wait, you need ammo, which it, wh- you can't sneak onto a plane. So it, that was fascinating to me yeah, hilarious.
4: Well, no, but. they ignore the fact that the TSA fails constantly every year to catch air- guns being taken on airplanes by accident. Or yep. the fact that the TSA lost all of the Glock 17s belonging to Netanyahu, Prime Minister Netanyahu's security team. What? So you should, yes, they lost. Oh, can you imagine being the bodyguards from Netanyahu showing up oh, at the airport and not having a gun between you? Um, so that really happened. So I, I'm not worried about getting that on the plane. I'm worried about everything else.
2: So uh, before we get into uh, September, which is a listener uh, story, and I gave him a whole month because. Man, if I found something like that, I'd be pretty excited. Um, I pasted the uh, pictures of the Arrow Precision giveaway for January and February uh, in the build. It is uh, They put together a pretty sick rifle for us, uh, for yeah. the listeners to give away. So uh, that job done by Nevada Cerakote, um, that one's going to be a hard one to, to let go. They're also going to host the rifle at their booth at SHOT Show, so if you are... Uh, one of the <laughs> participants there you will get to get hands on it and uh i'm sure security will stop me from walking away with it or something like that because they always do. Yeah. Really, yeah. and
1: great and show. it <clears throat> excuse me it looks awesome and i've known russ for a couple years over there at nevada saracone and he does some of the best work i have seen and and I'm not just saying that because I know the guy. It's pretty impressive. I mean, I know other guys here uh, have seen it, so they have an idea also. Whoa, what is... kind
3: of trigger does this have on it?
1: Hold on, I got this. I'll
3: run That's down the cool. list for you. Looks like a flat trigger of some kind. Yeah, it yeah. Does. Is that a hyperfire trigger?
2: Um, it doesn't look like a price, hyperfire. Size so. armament trigger. Okay. Oh,
4: Rise Armament? Okay.
6: Um, I can
4: tell you right now, no matter how good security is, they cannot stop you from licking the gun. (laughs)
6: Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> just letting you know well yeah. jd has actually, some weird fans they might be excited well, by that
1: jd's not even let he's got a restraining order against going to their booth anyway
5: <laughs>
3: yeah okay did you see last year at the booth did you see that distressed borderlands clone that they had that was like laser distressed yeah, yeah. that looked yeah. like a bit battle damage and stuff i begged brandon and uh that was the other guy. Anyway, so I begged them and begged them and begged them to make that a production model or a limited run custom deal, and they never would even – they wouldn't even tell me where that one went because I was like, I have a guy that will buy this. and He doesn't care how much it costs. He wants that one. They It just vanished into the ether somewhere.
1: Uh-huh. Some, somebody has it.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody at Arrow got that prototype yep. hidden in their safe somewhere.
2: So uh, as this episode releases um, on New Year's Eve, on our regular release schedule, the giveaway uh, entry forms will be active uh, at midnight, or maybe a little bit earlier, because my kids celebrate uh, East Coast uh, New Year's, so um, and we're in the Pacific time zone, so we will be giving away that in uh, January and February, and also announcing the winner of the new frontier or uh, man. I've got giveaways all twisted uh, the uh, unbranded AR uh, complete builders kit giveaway. So you can check the show notes um, for the picture or, and we will also have them up on our social media here soon. So in September, Ryan wins a uh, listener to the podcast that commented this afternoon. Uh, when I asked about the top stories in 2018, uh, Ryan says the top story for him was when remodeling his bathroom I found a Remington XP-100 hidden under the linen closet in a false bottom. I wish those kind of finds would happen for me. I only find the lowers and boxes that I've already paid for around the house. But, <laughs> I mean, I think, Ryan, that's a, that's a pretty solid. I don't think anything else tops your year there for finding a firearm uh, in a hidden compartment there. So uh, props to you, man.
4: Yeah, well, I told that same lie to my wife when she caught me with a new gun. So. Uh, uh, yeah. Hey, baby, look, this AR-15 was stuck in the ceiling. I found it while brushing my
3: teeth in the bathroom. Yeah, okay,
4: I've, I've tried that. Good job, though, buddy. Yeah, you got that one off.
3: Awesome. I tried the story of when a you know, mommy dad, mommy gun and a daddy gun love each other very much, but that didn't work either. <laughs> Dude, I, I try
2: that with lowers. I swear, mine procreate with as many as I. I'll find boxes of like I'll call Reed and be like, "I found five lowers from a box from Brownells in my kid's closet." What the heck? <laughs> just when I think I have, I don't have eighty-seven, but I have a good amount, and uh, I find them stashed all over the house. Like, I wonder what I, my thought process was. Like, if the bad guys come, they'll never look in my kid's closet. Like, <laughs> so. um Man, those are kind of the best finds, real or fake. If they help uh, dodge the sneak it past the wife club or sneak it past the spouse club, it works. You
0: know. uh, I wanna, go ahead. I, I wanted to find a secret compartment in my house since I was a little kid. and So that is the coolest story. In fact, I wanted it so bad that when my son was two, I built some secret compartments in my house for him to find. And one of them actually has guns in it.
6: You
4: know so one,
0: one year, he's going to find them.
6: I remember hearing a story about a couple that was remodeling a house and came across a Thompson, uh, sure. turned it over to the sheriff, like that was a good idea. Um, uh. But, uh, yeah, I think that they, they had grand designs on how they were going to figure out how to get it into their names. And, uh, but I tell you what, I mean, I think that would be like the most exciting thing to have happen. Just find something like that hanging around.
4: The only, the only bad thing about Finding something like that is I could only shoot it on private property and none of my friends could know about it because somebody's going to
6: (laughs) tell. But you see, that is the perfect thing, though. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because, you know, when the revolution comes, you (laughs) will have the one firearm they didn't know to come and get. You mean when when the Cuban paratroopers land? Oh, no, 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 that's an invasion.
4: (laughs) I'm talking about the revolution. (laughs) Oh, the revolution. Okay, not the invasion?
6: No, no. Because
4: if I have to vote from the rooftop, y'all got to let me know at least a week in advance because I'm older and I'm fat, so it's going to take a minute. Plus, I got to reinforce the roof. So it's a lot of work involved in in, in voting from the rooftop for me.
2: (laughs) All right, getting into October with the unreinforced roofs. Uh, the ATF, I'm sure you guys saw this, the ATF <laughs> prosecutes an Ohio man for his AR pistol with a brace. Reed, I thought we were past all these shenanigans. <laughs> no, no, no,
6: We have to get the cases to the Supreme
2: Court, and then he has to cut him off at the knees. Yeah. Man, does anybody else have any thoughts on this?
4: Uh, is this the guy who had that really ugly AR-15, and we spoke about it? Yeah,
1: probably. Um, it was a max. I, 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 I think I was on
4: We like shooting, and, and they were talking about this this ugly AR, and he he needed to jail, um, <laughs> <laughs> just because it was an a aesthetic. Rifle. aesthetic yeah, yeah, crime. Just, yeah, just based on that. I mean, yeah. Sorry, but no AR for you, buddy.
2: Anybody else?
1: Jeez. <laughs> I mean, what can you say? I mean. If I remember correctly, there was a lot of stuff that was kind of questionable about that anyway. And, and yes, I would love to see it go to the Supreme Court because questionable, when I say that, I mean questionable by law or maybe by, by how the ATF views it. Uh, so, you know, but yeah, I mean, what else can you say? It's kind of one of those things. It's like, couldn't you find us anything else better for October?
6: You know, uh, wow! Here's, here's wow. That, 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 wow! See, the thing that Man, I always see, get in in, okay. in my practice, we we deal with the IRS, and we've seen the IRS take a position in one jurisdiction that's completely, you know, 180 degrees from something they'll they'll some position will take in another jurisdiction, and the reason is is that you know at the appellate level they've got support in one place for the one, and then it's a different support in the other jurisdiction for the other at the appellate level and so they're not being held accountable to a consistent um, direction which is what happens at the Supreme Court level I mean the, the whole premise here is that a bunch of the things that they were getting on them for things that the ATF had already said were okay to do and you know I I can I can understand it because I've seen it on that side of, of you know that's that's the side of the sandbox that I'm in And so I was kind of, it was kind of funny to hear people complain about that. You know, why would they do this? But um, I do think it's great that they got their, you know, hind end handed to them by the the jury. Or was it a judge? Either way, whether it was in front of a jury or judge, they lost. They lost because they were being stupid. Yeah, jury. So, I mean, I think that's a little bit of comeuppance.
2: Didn't you tell me the prosecutor, didn't we have a discussion that the prosecutor was trying to get the ATF's own language, Inadmissible in the trial. Yeah, I think this this was this one.
6: Yeah, yeah, they were trying to to uh, have it stricken from uh, uh, the evidence. They didn't want the uh, ATF definition uh, admitted, which I that seems on the level. Yeah, uh, I mean that's that's classic government lawyer tactics.
2: Yes. All right, guys, we'll move into November and uh, we've got December and then some honorable mentions from listeners that uh, have chimed in uh, throughout the afternoon. Uh, Midterm elections this November. Um, I'm going to go down the list and just give me your thoughts on where you think the uh, country went and what uh, your perception of it. Uh, We'll start with Alex.
5: Uh, So Missouri particularly, we, our senator, went red. Six out of eight districts were red to blue. Um I think it's just gonna be a gridlock in a lot of situations. Uh, just because the house is blue and the Senate is red, i I say it'd be in a gridlock for a while. Chad?
1: Well, I'm I'm with him on the gridlock stuff, but all I'm gonna say is I hate Portland and Eugene. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
6: Go ducks. <laughs> um,
1: no. But <laughs> uh, there's that one county that we can move to in Oregon, where... Well, there's more than one, but the others are like in eastern Oregon. Where...
2: Oh, it's, it's perfect. Eastern Oregon is where we can live in the, the high, cold desert. We're all good.
1: You might as well just move to Idaho. <laughs>
2: Can't move that. <laughs> Cannot move to Idaho. Uh, Derek, you're up.
3: Yeah, locally we went pretty good red here. Uh, this count, The county that I'm in, Cabarrus, north of Charlotte, has been red forever, and we've had a Democrat sheriff who has been actually a decent sheriff. Um, and then this time it's been, I don't know, I think he's had four or five terms. We went, we got a, a conservative Republican uh, sheriff. And then at the state level, it was about, it was 50, 50 ish. It didn't, it, it wasn't a significant change. Really. It's kind of gridlocked and we got a Democrat to governor too. So, and he's pretty hardcore Democrat, liberal, anti-gun.
0: Dang. Matt. Well, uh my district, uh house district nine is still in, because everybody who lives in the district is being accused by somebody else of vote fraud. So I think there's going to be a shootout It's going to reduce the population before we actually get a somebody into office.
2: Not to stereotype, but generally gun, gun owners tend to lean a little more conservative. Yeah. So I would tend to believe that the shootout's going to be won by the conservatives.
0: That would stand to reason.
2: Because oh, so they know they how, they how to shoot and they the have more guns. It. Maybe yeah. it's
0: not the ideal way to resolve this, you know? So I don't know. I told several things. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. McCready versus Harris, a duel. Now (laughs) that I could get behind, but no, I think it's symptomatic of the, the breakdown of public trust. You know, everybody's lying to everybody else and nobody trusts anybody. And that's a bigger, that's a bigger symptom than, than, than a house race is going to tell you, but it's, it's affecting all of it. Mr. Simon, our
4: midterm elections in Jersey, highest elections in the last 20 years, about 50% of the people voted. Uh, that's how sad it is here. But yeah, people voted, and of course they voted blue because that's what Jersey is. And um, we had that horrible Bob Menendez, the child molester, the guy who went to Dominican Republic and hired underage prostitutes to have sex with. And then when they asked him about it, he said that's not against the law in the Republic. And he also had the audacity to question Kavanaugh. <laughs> So so these are the scumbags uh, That are elected And then of course a week after the Kavanaugh thing Cory Booker was accused of sexually Assaulting a dude in the bathroom At a party two years ago So those are both of our senators Menendez was running Jersey disgusts me Jersey voters disgust me Because they'll vote along party lines Because it's okay if my guy's a child molester He's a democrat at least So that's what I think of
6: midterms You gotta get out and vote <clears throat> That's all. Reid? Well, I mean, in terms of Texas, we're still Texas, so, you know, <laughs> you feel sorry for the rest of you guys. But, uh, you know, I think the thing that, that that I am am seeing is that the idea that we have um, a legislature that swings away from the president after the first two years and many of uh, the, the first two years of the presidents of the past. I mean, it just kind of tends to be that way. The voters take away their power to, like – you know, truly, be effective for four years. But in this instance, we kept the Senate, and that means that for all of those um, unfilled, vacant uh, judicial seats that have been out there for decades, and you know, after the Democrats cut their own throats and you know, you know pulled the the trigger on the nuclear option, we're going to just get them filled. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this could be a heyday. For judicial change in, in in the in the country, and and I think that's phenomenal. I mean, win, lose, or draw. If if Trump doesn't get back into office in um, two years, we still have two years of the Senate putting justices on the bench that are appointed
4: we need them here in Jersey really badly because that's where our case is going to have to. That's the only thing that will save a state like us and and others, but it will turn some of this around and kill some of the stuff that's really goes against the constitution.
2: I think it would be great. So the uh, final month of the year, December, uh, I don't think we could get away from what the big news was uh, this month. Um, Either it was the reformation shipping, (laughs) <laughs> or, the, or the bump stock ban that uh, the language, what is it? It went into like a, the Friday before Christmas and the uh, the ban and you have 90 days to turn them in or destroy them. Um, so, guys, I'm going to go down the line again and get your thoughts. Tony, we're going to start with you.
4: Uh, I think it was it, it's wrong. Um, it's stupid and it needs to be reversed and hopefully it will be. <laughs> Alex, your thoughts? Um,
5: Yeah, I think it's stupid as well. Um, When they use this language, bump stock type devices, that's what scares me, is Mm -hmm. that um, the ATF is already devising these new uh, interpretations of law. So it's just a matter of time until they start using that. Uh, But I will give props to Gun Owners of America, who is now suing the ATF and Justice Department. It looks like it came out on Tuesday of this week that they're putting in a lawsuit. So kudos to them.
0: Matt, your thoughts? I mean, I like Trump, but did anybody really expect a high society New Yorker to defend the most redneck gun accessory ever created? I mean, <laughs>
4: yeah.
0: I, I, I didn't. I didn't. So, but yeah, it is it is stupid. <clears throat> it needs to be overturned. And hopefully, uh, like was mentioned, some good judges will thwack this thing pretty hard. Mr. Wallace. Well... I am
1: old, but geez, call me mister. (laughs) Uh, You know, I think the bump stock ban is stupid because it's just the ATF saying, oh, yeah, we don't like these anymore because of the president saying, oh, yeah, this now falls under this. Well, yeah, it should go to court because the ATF should lose again because it's legal according to the law. And, you know, I'm under the impression that I never want one of these things. You know, I'm going to pay 200 bucks and maybe buy something real that does the same thing. But if it weren't for the 1986, you know, crime bill, we might not even have bump stocks to ban because you just pay your 200 bucks and you could go down to your local, you know, class three FFL or whatever, and just buy a fully automatic rifle. That's my thought.
3: Yeah. um, I was, I wasn't really surprised at how it, how it fell out, but I am, I'll give you um, the negative, and then actually there's some positive that I got to see you be a part of, which was kind of interesting. So the fact that the ATF has essentially become de facto writers of law by the way that they interpret and talk about uh, all of the things that we love is concerning, but <clears throat> most of the people at many levels of the ATF are actually just good people. I know the local office guys are great, um, and they work really hard to work with gun shops and individuals that want to obey the law um, and are pretty reasonable. Not to, to say that there aren't buttholes out there that don't want to, you know, that want to just make a name for themselves or get on the news or have political views or work the agenda or whatever, but most of them just want to enforce the laws. Um, the good side of it is because it is a de facto thing that they, that the way that they interpret things, um, the frustrating part about form fours and how long they take Six, seven, eight, nine, 10 months, whatever. I'm I'm at from from March to now. I'm waiting on a form four, um, my first one. Um, but a good friend of mine owns a major suppressor company, and I got to get him together with one of our local representatives, uh, sent or house representatives to talk about ways that we can, without legislation, shorten, tell the ATF, essentially direct the ATF the the Senate or the House or whatever says, ATF, you shall issue Form 4s in X dates. So the 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 thing that they're working towards, hopefully, uh, within some reasonable amount of time is 60 to 90 day turnarounds on Form 4s without changing the law, without doing anything on the crazy, uh, on the backside, without shortening the background check, because it doesn't take that long to do the background check for the Form 4. It's really not that difficult or time-consuming. It's just a backlog. And it's just a still, to some degree, I think it artificially... Uh, lengthened the process so because it's not going through the legislature those changes can actually be pushed without changing the law and without getting all the democrats on capitol hill involved it can just be a directive to the atf saying form four shall process in 60 or 90 days so that's in process we'll see how far it goes or when it gets there but that's that was good to see kind of the back the back the inner workings of politics in a non-negative way that would be good for the industry.
2: That's nice. Um, So this all came from the city that I am uh, located in, Las Vegas, um, from the shooting that happened at the Mandalay Bay about a year and some months ago. Um, What I find ironic and stinky is the fact that uh, this gentleman used this bump stock um, in his uh, act of evil, but uh, in the most surveilled city in the world. um, There are cameras everywhere here. Um, you are surveillanced walking into casinos by so many cameras that you don't even see. And so many that you do see Um, the fact that we're just talking about a bump stock ban and we don't have other answers on other things, just really, really stinks uh, to me. And so um, on that case, on that end, it's kind of a a personal thing because why don't we have more answers about what happened uh, here in Las Vegas and, Instead, it was right out of the gate calling for a ban of this, uh, you know, I'll say it's a, a firearm novelty. It's, it's not something I own or but even on the register. But I don't like the fact that uh, they, it was just directed to take it away um, from those who do want to enjoy uh, the benefits of having a bump stock. So that's my thoughts. Reed, what are yours?
6: You know, I think that this whole thing about the bump stock just kind of highlights the thing that most irritates me that we see in this country and it's this idea of incrementalism right <coughs> you know on this side of it it's well we're going to ban this one little thing and then a couple of months later we're going to ban another little thing and then you know a little after that we're going to ban another little thing and you know the aggregate of all these little things all of a sudden is something substantial and when it's gone when you're looking back with 2020 vision you see the erosion you know clearly you know in the light of day but you, you didn't see it slipping away moving forward, but it's also that kind of idea that you know, you know, the, the person that says, you know, well, but I'm special. I don't have to pay attention to this law. No, that doesn't apply to me because you know I'm 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 who I am. It's that you know incremental erosion of something that should be held onto. You know. Uh, I'm sure anybody here that has kids will remember, you know, the first time your kid did something and then the 18 more times they tried to push it a little bit further until mm-hmm. all of a sudden you had to get out the spoon or the belt or the whatever it was that you whacked them with to bring them back into line. Well, we've got so many of these things, you know, big picture that, you know, how do you put a genie back in the bottle? I mean, look at the. <coughs> The city councils who all of a sudden decide that, you know, after years and years of, you know, figuring out parade routes and, you know, litter policies that, you know, they're going to, you know, encompass the, the overarching idea that they're supposed to be the ones dictating firearms policy to, you know, the citizens of their fair city. I mean, it's this idea of incremental erosion. And to me, it's the most frustrating thing. You know, people wonder why, you know, uh, a pro-2 second Amendment guy is going to get there and, and be all irritated or upset or pissed off because they did this to bump stocks and their novelties or whatever the hell it is. It's the idea that we just can't let you do it inch by inch by inch. I think, Tony, you quoted it as death by a thousand cuts, right? Yes,
4: and, and that's what really bothers me when I listen to supposedly pro-2A people going, Bump stocks not going to be the hill I die upon. And I'm like, well, when are you going to pick that hill? Because they've already taken fully automatic weapons away from you. Um, they've already taken short barrel rifles and shotguns away. I'm sorry, but in some states you can't have it. Um, Now they're going out to firing mechanisms. They didn't call it a bump stock. They didn't word it just like that. They worded to the point in New Jersey, they have it worded to pretty much a trigger job will be illegal Mm -hmm. when you read the wording. So, yeah, you better pick a darn hill. And why not this one? Because it's ridiculous. And it goes against their own legislation. It goes against their own laws. This should be an easy win. This should be a layup. And we have a bunch of pro two people that back away from it going, I don't want to die upon a bump stock hill. I'm like, well, thanks, buddy. Um, But we really don't need your help right now because you suck. (laughs) <laughs> and we, we need to stand behind something and when we have people wh- what do you think you think the next bill they're going to come out with is making just all guns illegal no that's not going to happen they're going to continue to slice this they're going to continue to slice it until the next thing you know you're making an argument why a double barrel shotgun is an assault shotgun that's where you're going to end up we, we, i think when people are going to wake up in this country is when they start calling your hunting rifle a sniper's rifle and when they start telling you because multiple projectiles come out of a shotgun with one trigger pull, that that's now a machine gun.
0: Jeez. I think oh, maybe you will know, wake yeah. up then. I think, I think your comments about the, the particulars of the language are spot on because I think we're, we're fast approaching a society where everything is illegal, everyone is a criminal, and enforcement is selective. I think that's really the, the goal, the broader goal here of all this stuff.
2: So that
4: here before we've been here before, I just want to put that out. We've been here before when they played with words and they played with meanings. They did it. The Dred Scott case when they wouldn't say that a black man was a whole person, because that would mean that blacks would be covered by the Second Amendment. And that's what the Supreme Court justice of the day said, the chief justice. So, yeah, they're playing with words again. This is how they take your rights away by playing with words and their own means of them. So, I would just wanted to throw that out there as a historical thing. It's been done before.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so with that, I think we've made our way through the year. Going to give some honorable mentions uh, that will rapid fire through as uh, this has been one of the longer episodes we've had. Uh, Johnny Chan uh, wrote in and said uh, one of the top news stories or things of the year. Uh, we all saw this video. I'm pretty sure the selfie guy at the shooting range uh, pointing a loaded firearm at his friend and the firearms instructor jumped in.
3: Um yeah, she, that guy
2: was on point. Props the
3: RSO. Yep. Yeah. That was a good RSO.
2: Uh props to Steven. Finally got his uh first AR fifteen to call his own. Um Matthew with the uh Franklin Armory <laughs> Reformation, it's not an SBR. Uh gosh, that is a good meme. But uh we <laughs> covered that a little bit earlier. Uh Jeremiah also with a, a find like Ryan or telling of a friend found an old twenty-two in a closet. And a house that he bought on the Oregon side of the bank of the Columbia River. Uh if he would have been in Washington, it uh could have been an assault rifle due to uh new definitions now. <laughs> um and that's that's about it. Everything else oh Ohio um overriding the uh governor's uh veto uh also made it in there too, but uh the bump stock right. band kinda
1: got that can, one. Can I throw something in under under December? Because sure. it literally literally happened yesterday. Uh, and i heard about it on the news which you know it it's kind of ironic that the 911 system in washington went down like last night after they you know vote in more gun control oh my
4: god <laughs> <laughs> okay a, that's
1: it
2: <laughs> <laughs> with that uh, that's our year in review i'm going to go down the list tell us where we can find you guys on the web social media and your businesses guys so alex uh, you first.
5: Yeah, so you can email me alex at ammo dot com, and then obviously I would go to the AR fifteen podcast special landing page ammo dot com slash ar fifteen podcast. Save twenty dollars on your two hundred dollar order.
2: Alex, thanks for sponsoring the show. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, of course. Uh, Tony Simon, where can we find you?
4: You can find me on the second is for everyone on YouTube. You can find the second is for everyone podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can find me on Simon says train on both Facebook and Instagram. And you Derek, can donate to
3: us at diversity shoot.com.
2: Derek, where can we find you in the gun shop you work for?
3: Uh, it's high at And then of course our, uh, I also work with extant labs. So extant or extant labs on Instagram,
0: Matt. Yeah, like Derek said, extantlabs.com, E-X-T-A-N-T. And uh, I love to hear from uh, users, so shoot me an email, matt at extantlabs.com. Matt and
2: Derek, thank you for uh, supporting the AR-15 podcast, man. We appreciate you both.
0: Pleasure. Thanks for having us.
2: Chad Wallace of the Gun and Gear Pasta German Fetish Dot com, dot us, dot cc, dot net. You have all the domains covered. And even, uh, I, even I i heard that you were looking into like a pasta dominatrix fetish website, too. So tell us where we can find you.
1: Well, you know, if you look on social media, just search Firearms Insider. You can find us there on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, you can go to firearmsinsider.tv to find all the reviews that we do. There's also a link there to the podcast, and we are also a part of the Firearms Radio Network. And, you know, maybe maybe we do some things here or there, but, you know, give us a follow. Give us a like. Uh, our email is gungearreview at gmail.com if you want to send us some hate mail or something. Uh, we like to read our hate mail and reviews on the, on the podcast. Uh, I'm sure Tony likes it. Uh, he's there every We're time. We're going to laugh at you. We're yeah, we you. we will make fun of you if you give us bad feedback. <laughs> <so. laughs> what well, we're not as nice as the AR fifteen podcast.
2: <laughs> they're uh they're good guys over there. Check them out. Give them a follow. Listen to the show, and uh, they give you unbiased reviews. Um, Reed gives you unbiased reviews too. I'm a fanboy, so anything that's Navasky or HK, I'm going to be all woo woo about. Uh, These guys actually give unbiased reviews. Great group of guys and uh, gentlemen. Thank you all for being here. You can find read and I at AR-15 podcast.com. That's AR-15 podcast.com. You can send your questions or comments to AR-15.podcast at gmail.com. That's AR-15.podcast at gmail.com. Subscribe on iTunes. uh, Listen there. Uh, Leave us a review so the show can place higher. Also share. Your pics with us on Instagram at AR15 Podcast if you tag us there. And uh, we're also live on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash AR15 Podcast. With that, that is our final show of 2018, whether you're listening to this in 2019 or not. Uh, remember, you still have time to sign up for the unbranded AR uh, giveaway, the complete build kit. If this, If you're listening to this on Monday the 31st, if you're not... Uh, the bad news is is that you'll just have to settle for the Aero Precision giveaway to sign up for. You can do that at our website, ar-15podcast.com. And with that, that is a wrap on the show. Gentlemen, thank you for uh, coming and spending your Friday night with us. Anytime, James. Enjoyed it. Anytime. Great. Uh, yeah. Great to be
4: here. All right. Thanks for having me
2: on.
1: This has been a production of the Firearms Radio Network. You can find more information at firearmsradio.tv.